Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 352 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. Here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. We had a big fight weekend uh, that just passed, you know, both in boxing and the UFC. And, of course, we're going to talk about both of them. But what I want to start with is it always it's, it's always funny to me. And it's it's always interesting to see how conversations about certain fighters and conversations about certain athletes change after a loss. You see, everyone is for somebody until they show weakness or until they show a, I guess, lack of a better term, chink in the armor. Once you show chink in the armor, that's when you start to see and hear a lot of narratives about somebody, a lot of narratives about um, just how someone feels about somebody moving forward. Let me first start by congratulating Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford, he beat Earl Spence uh, Jr., to become or to win the or become the undisputed weatherweight champion. He has I think four belts now. Let's first stay on the positive. I the the, the sport of boxing is interesting and it has some very interesting let's say uh ways to promote itself it has interesting ways that it goes about business and some of those ways of course benefit boxing when you talk about the belts when you talk about the weigh-ins when you talk about the weight classes you know that boxing as a organization as an entity as a sport is 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 definitely run in a way that helps promote the product uh boxing obviously how it's different from football basketball is you know it's you it's you in that ring and you are boxing is not it's not like the nfl there's not a shield it's the you're going to see an athlete you're going to see somebody fight the the boxing's popularity is solely based on his fighters on his boxers so in that aspect, I, 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 I do understand, I do love how they promote themselves, uh, you know, with the Showtime All Access and and like I said, the multiple weigh ins and just just some of the some of the eccentric fighters that they have. It's, it's great. But one hindrance that boxing has is is it, it's it's a it's such a. Um, how do I how do I explain this, man? It's such a the way that it's run holds itself back at times, especially when we talk about, you know, contracts and when fighters fight each other and if fighters ever fight each other. It's it's such a it's, it's such an, a, a, a hindrance to itself sometimes how these fights and situations happen. Why am I saying this now? Because a lot of people have questioned Terrence Crawford going into this fight 
as you know, they, they while yes, he was thirty nine and zero going into this fight, the validity of the people that he fought and when he fought them kind of gave people pause. And it kind of made people think, well, yes, he's great and he's 39 and 0. When, who has he fought? When has he fought? And now, now, mind you, and we'll talk about this a little bit with UFC, but you don't play box, right? You, everyone that is professional box, of course, there's levels, right? But you don't play box. You don't, because as we saw again for the UFC, one, one hit can drastically affect not just the fight but your entire life and you don't one false move can get you beat in any in 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 any fighting sport and a lot of people were questioning just how valid that 39 and 0 was so when we heard of rumblings that Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence, who at the time, Earl Spence was considered one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in boxing. A lot of people questioned if it was going to happen, because we've heard this before. We've heard mega fights, because this would have this would be considered a mega fight. We've heard mega fights before. It just never really came to fruition, or it came to fruition a little too late, and Neither boxer was in their prime, i.e. Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. Well, yes, we did get that fight. Again, both boxers were not even close to their prime. And while, yes, Floyd did win, you do you do question how that fight would have went if both fighters were in their prime. So when we heard rumblings of Terrence Crawford and and Earl Spence nobody really thought it was going to happen right because that's just how boxing is you hear about these mega fights you hear about you know uh Devin Haney and Shakur Stevenson like but it, it just never really comes to fruition well this Terrence Crawford fight once we once they got official dates contracts were signed boom this is this this that's when the excitement started happening and and people started putting the mega fight title on this and don't get me wrong you have two of the two are arguably two of the best fighters in the world going up against each other and it didn't disappoint <laughs> yo let me just terrence crawford beat the hell out of earl spence it, I think it was from like round two on. It was just total domination. Now, he ultimately won in nine rounds of TKO. It was stoppage. Uh, I know Earl Spence and his his crew kind of contested and and was upset about the stoppage. But if you if you watch the fight, yeah, it was <laughs> he was just running into punches. He was running into punches. And Terrence Crawford... See, here's the thing about Terrence Crawford, man. His his defensibility, his counterability. He was never really known as the, the hardest hitting... But even though he does have a lot of knockouts, a lot of his knockouts come from counters. Like, you, you, he get, you get a small opening, or you allow a small opening to Terrence Crawford, you're more than likely getting knocked out. That's just, that's just the type of athlete he was. 
And while I say it was complete domination, it was still a good fight. And I do believe that it um, lived up to the hype that that came with it. It was. And this is this is why I started the episode. I started the episode with it's interesting how narratives change and it's interesting how, you know, the way that you explain and the way that you talk about somebody changes after their armor is dinked. Earl Spence has gone through a lot when we talk about car accidents and and certain situations. It is it is shocking that not only is he still alive, um, he's still competing at a high level in boxing. Because if you look at the car accident video and you look at some of the things that he grew up and had to deal with, even in his boxing career, that would have taken a lot of people out. So it is shocking that he's still fighting at a high level and still considered and still considered one of the best fighters in the world. And going into this fight, you majority of the people, they, they did a little survey or whatever. Majority of the people that were tuning into this fight had Spence beating Crawford. Again, it goes back to a lot of people were questioning Crawford's resume and questioning who he really fought. And Earl Spence is for sure the best fighter that Terrence Crawford has fought in his career. I think Terrence Crawford even said it. So a lot of people had Earl Spence beating Terrence Crawford. The the sports bets had Earl Spence beating Terrence Crawford. The world, I'm not gonna say the world, but most people were going for Earl Spence. So I think it's interesting that when he Lau lost, and you're hearing people like Stephen A. Smith say. You know, he should he should consider retirement. Or you're hearing people say that Earl Spence, uh, he's he he's not even in the same class as Crawford. Don't get me wrong, bro. Earl Spence got his got got destroyed like it. It wasn't. The only reason why the fight lasted nine rounds is because just the sheer will and just the sheer endurance that Earl Spence has. I think out and I think he may have won the first round. Outside of that, he had maybe the first round. Outside of that, every single round he lost. I mean, he got knocked down twice. He got knocked down once in the second, I believe, and twice in the seventh. And the only reason why he really survived the seventh round knockout is because the second one came at the bell. So it was in, in as much of a dominating performance as you will ever see. And when I mean ever see, I mean ever see as far as a, a mega fight like this. And Terrence Crawford did what he was supposed to do. But I just think it's it's I just don't like and that's that's just in sports in general, man. I don't like how the conversation switches. When someone loses, or and I'm not saying yes, when you lose, you're the, you're ultimately the loser of the bout or or the loser of the game or whatever. So you're not going to be talked about in the same light as the winner. I get that people are going to 
champion Terrence Crawford more than they champion Earl Spence right now. And that's that's rightfully so. But people, it, it, you hear, it's like people just completely throw. Now, you hear people saying now that Earl Spence is trash. Or that Earl Spence, you really look at his record and he didn't fight anybody. That's not true. He just beat you guys. And you guys is really good. Yes, Earl Spence lost. And he deserves, he deserved all of that, that one in the loss column on his record. Which, by the way, that's another thing. This is his first loss of his career. It really, when I watched that fight, it made me think of Floyd Mayweather. And I'm not saying, I know a lot of people are saying, will Terrence Crawford be Floyd Mayweather in his prime? I'm not going to go that far. I think think people forget how good Floyd Money Mayweather was. And that's no disrespect to Crawford. But when I was watching this fight, I was thinking of Floyd Mayweather. And I was I was thinking what how how would his life be different? How would we view him different? How would he be spoken of differently if he had a one in that loss column? Still had the 50 wins, but that one loss. How would we how would we view him? How would how would we speak on him? Because it's all I'm not all I'm hearing, but a lot that I'm hearing is Earl Spence is trash now, which is furthest from the truth. Earl Spence is still considered one of the best boxers, or at least should still be considered one of the best boxers in the world. The problem is he ran into a better boxer. Now, another thing that I don't like about boxing is that's what I was trying to say the political the political way that things are going now let's let's talk about the weights or, or in the weight class and how people dictate at what weight they'll be fighting I understand the importance of weight classes and the importance of you know trying to be as close to each other weight wise as possible because if you're fighting someone that's just 10 pounds heavier that's a decisive advantage because those hits just hurt 10 pounds more you know and you're hearing a lot of people say and and you can kind of see it i'm not saying this is the only reason why terrence crawford won but it just looked like earl spence was dehydrated i know there was a dehydration clause and everything but earl spence looked dehydrated he looked slow from the jump now you know it's bad when you have novices, people that don't watch boxing. And, and and I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm not a boxing like extraordinaire. I'm not a boxing uh expert. I I will watch a fight from time to time, but I'm not I, I can consider myself a not maybe a little higher than a novice. I do know certain boxers and I do watch boxing and stuff like that on a, sometimes. But the people that are are f- probably watch boxing maybe once a year or maybe this could have been their first boxing fight that they that they've watched could look at that fight and think to themselves looking at Earl Spence and probably and I wouldn't be upset if they said yo why is he in the ring they they prop this fight up 
to be one of the best fights in boxing history. And Earl Spence just looked drastically inferior to to Terrence Crawford. And I think a lot of that is because of the dehydration. When you have to cut seven, eight pounds in a day or two days, that is tough. And on top of that, you have to then be at your best and be at the top of your game fighting. That is tough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Terrence Crawford. Not at all. Terrence Crawford deserved that win. Terrence Crawford did what he was supposed to do. But what I am saying is it looked like Earl Spence was dehydrated. And you're looking at people like Dante Wilder or Deontay Wilder, I'm sorry. And, you know, some of the commentators say Earl Spence looked like his body was dehydrated. I mean, he was walking a lot of the times. He was opening opening himself up to hits that he usually wouldn't do. And again, I'm not I'm not trying to take away from Terrence Crawford. You won the fight. And even Earl Spence said the better man won. Terrence Crawford is considered and should be considered one of, if not the best fighter in boxing right now. But, not but, let's say and. And I do want to give credit to Earl Spence. John uh, Roy Jones Jr. was saying something a couple months ago that a lot of people <clears throat> probably... You know, Roy Jones, he be saying some crazy things sometimes. And he be he be he his approach and his delivery, let me say, is is a little off sometimes. But Roy Jones Jr. did say something that I wholeheartedly believe in that people are so attached to their records in boxing that they uh they are hesitant to fight people that are close to their close to their level or sometimes could even be better than them because of that record and like i said it goes back to the whole floyd mayweather thing how would we view floyd mayweather if he still had the 50 wins but he also had one loss we'd be we'd view him completely different So I commend Terrence Crawford. I commend Earl Spence. I think it's crazy, and, and it, it goes. It, I think it's crazy how a lot of people are talking about Earl Spence right now. Like he wasn't. He didn't just beat you guys. Who is a very, very good boxer, and beat him convincingly. The man couldn't even see out his eye. So. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to take away from what Terrence Crawford did. I do want to congratulate him again for uh, becoming the undisputed weather weatherweight champion. And I'm also interested to see what's next for him. Like, who does he fight? Like, I know that Earl Spence that there is a rematch clause, and Earl Spence said that he plans to do the rematch clause. I also understand that he said that. He's trying to do it before the end of the year. Look, I don't. I I understand the whole 
preparation process might be a little different seeing as though you've already fought him but i just think that's a little too early and maybe i know that earl spence had to come down in weight to fight maybe that terrence crawford might go up in weight there are rumblings are saying that he possibly could fight around the 154 mark i think they fought around 146 147 which i understand it doesn't sound like a lot but seven pounds is a lot when you have to you know uh i'm interested man you you're saying that we're 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 hearing that and we even saw in the ring how he was going at uh Jamel uh Charlo during the fight and how that would be a pretty uh, a pretty interesting fight didn't one of the charlo's brothers get sla- getting smacked in the face i saw that on video i'm no i'm not i saw that on video um damn yeah that was that was bad too but yeah, man. Shouts out to Terrence Crawford for beating Earl Spence. And again, shouts out to both of them because the fight lived up to the the hype. The fight lived up to the hype. It was I understand that it felt like Terrence Crawford was dominating, which he was, don't get me wrong. But it was still an entertaining fight. And I'm not taking away from anything that Terrence Crawford did. He was the better fighter in that ring by a let's say head and shoulders. The best fighter that night so shouts out to terrence crawford for beating earl spence we talked about you don't play box you don't play fight when when we're when we're talking about situations like this because one one hit one hit can drastically change the outcome of a fight and that is what we saw in the ufc when Justin Gaethje, or Gaethje, I'm sorry, had, it, look, let me first congratulate Justin Gaethje for winning the BMF title. Definitely well-deserved. Um, he, this was the rematch between him and Dustin Poirier, Poirier, I'm sorry, and he ultimately, like I said, won. This is why I was talking about uh football right and i said that i will never i don't i don't i don't aspire to be a football player i never inspired to be a football player i played one year didn't work out i went to one my uh, my cousin he is a uh, ufc slash boxer he, he does mixed martial arts he pretty much does um and they just he loves it like that's that's his outlet. My outlet is basketball. My outlet is podcasting. My you know, if I'm if I'm having a bad day, I'll probably go hoop, or you know, I come and podcast and and just talk about something that I love, which is sports. My cousin, his outlet is mixed martial arts, UFC, uh, boxing, and. I went to one training session with him and I knew very quickly <laughs> that this whole UFC thing is not for me. Not for me. Again, you don't it's you do not play box, play fight. Because one hit can change the trajectory of the entire fight. 
Justin Gaethje, while yes, he did win, but he, I, I would, I would say before. Now, mind you, this is the second fight that him and Poirier had. Poirier won the first one. Dustin Poirier, he run Poirier, he run the first one. And this, it was a pretty even fight. I think it was second round. It was a pretty even fight. Then the man landed. <laughs> This the nicest kick to the head I've ever seen. Down goes Dustin. It's over with. And like. Again. It, mm, it, it was it was a kick, bro. It was a kick. And now. Justin Geechee is the the BMF champion. And kind of like boxing, um, UFC, it's very hard when we talk about, I talked about this when uh, Javante Davis won his fight against uh, Ryan Garcia. It's very hard in both boxing and UFC to crown who the best pound for pound fighter is because of the weight class situation because i mean some weight classes are are better than the others some some fighters obviously are thriving in their weight class but some weight classes are are not as stacked as others and you know, when we talk about boxing, it's like when you look at the lightweight or, or the, the weatherweight division. And then you look at some contracts it's with uh, Showtime, some's with HBO, some's with uh, DAZN. It's, it's, it just gets complicated. And the same thing happens, like I said, with, with, um, with uh, UFC. I mean... You have the welterweight and Alexander Volinsky. And you you also have John Jones, who's a heavyweight, you know. Islam Metrodov, he's a weatherweight. It's just, it's, it's, I'm not saying that you, you don't take, you, it's, how do I, how do I put this into words? Um, I'm not taking away from anything anyone's doing. I'm just saying it's hard to to really see who the best pound-for-pound pound fighter is. Even though a lot of people, at least for the UFC, would probably go Alexander Volinsky. Vol- Volkanovski. Whatever his name is, man. I apologize. I'm, I'm not good with names, bro. I say this every single time. But... I mean, I'm looking at this pound for pound list, right? And you just see a plethora, like I said, Alexander. You have Islam Matradov. You have John Jones, heavyweight. You have Israel Adesanya, middleweight. You have Leon Edwards, weatherweight. Uh, lightweight, uh, Charles Olivier. Uh, Sterling, who's a banterweight, you know? It's just tough. And there's people like Alexander Pereira. He's not in it. Max Holiday is not in it. Demetrius Johnson. I don't know. I'm not let me not let me let me not go down this road. Let me just stick to what it is. Congratulations to Justin Geechee for uh 
beating Dustin Poirier for, and and becoming the BMF champion. Again, this was the second fight. I'm almost sure that there's going to be a third, seeing as though Dustin won the first one and Justin won the second one. So I'm interested to see who's who's gonna who's gonna break that tiebreaker. And I'm almost. I mean, I think it would be in the UFC's best interest if there's a third fight. So, especially how how this fight ended. Uh, so, congratulations to both Terrence Crawford and congratulations to Justin Kichi, both for uh, Crawford being the undisputed welterweight champion and Kichi for winning the BMF belt. I'm going to let's let's go over to football for a second. And uh it's been a very rocky off season for the NFL for owners in regards to their relationship with other with players and especially the running backs and their want of or their their need of more respect as far as contracts and how things how things are are done. And last episode, of course, at I talked at nauseum about the running back position and about why the running backs are not getting the type of payment that they feel they deserve. And while I did, I do think that they deserve more money. I also understand in the terms. I also understand when you're an owner, when you're a GM, and you're handing out money and handing out contracts. I also understand why you would be hesitant to pay a running back big money. That's what I was expressing last episode. Again. I do think that every player deserves to get what they feel they deserve because they're the players are the one that put their body on the line. But this offseason, more than ever, I believe, owners are really, and GMs are, are, are really showing you how they, how much they, do or don't value a player or value a position or value value their own players. Like I said, there's there's been a, a long standing fight. But it's 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 been louder than ever this offseason. But there's been a long standing fight between the re the the how much running backs get paid and what they feel their value is. And Jim Mersey, who is the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, had some very interesting words to say after Jonathan Taylor, who of course is a running back, one of the best running back in the league, uh, shared his dissatisfaction to how the running back position has been treated. I know Jim Ursay came out and pretty much said that, um, 
you know, it's unfair or whatever how why or running backs get paid and he feels that they should be getting, you know, while they're not as valued as other positions, they should be paid more. That's what Jim Ursay, who, by the way, gives out checks, said. Which then prompted his best running back and one of the league's best running back, Justin or Jonathan Taylor, to pretty much come back and say, I mean, now, yes, of course, I was paraphrasing uh, what Jim Irsay first said, but and I'm paraphrasing what Jonathan Taylor said. And Taylor pretty much said, bro, you're, you you say you want respect or like, you respect us and you say this and that, but you low ball, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you're not paying us. You're you're in charge or you can directly change this and it's not changing which i think they had a meeting they did have a meeting they had a, jonathan taylor and jim ursay had a meeting and very quickly after that meeting reports came out saying that jo- jonathan taylor wanted or requested a trade um from the indianapolis Colts again Jonathan Taylor just a year or two ago was in the MVP talks. Uh, Jim Irsay, who might I add you, isn't the most popular uh, owner. He has had several run-ins and off-the-field situations that don't need to be discussed. He's just not the most popular owner. And he has done things that have just on the field. I mean, giving wild contracts. I mean, he's the core. He is the owner that brought in Jeff Saturday, who had absolutely no quarterback. I mean, coaching experience to be the head coach of the team. So he was the owner that watched <laughs> that. That watched he let me, let me he watched Andrew Luck get pummeled week after week behind that weak offensive line. He franchise tagged Peyton Manning twice. Mind you, Peyton Manning is widely considered as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And he while he wasn't in his prime, he wasn't too far removed from it. And he franchise tagged him twice. So Jim Ursay doesn't have the reputation of being the best owner. Let me first say that. But Jim Ursay, after Jonathan Taylor pretty much came out and, and requested a trade, said we're not trading him. He also said this. Now, I'm not going to paraphrase. This is literally the quote that Jim Ursay said. The literal quote. I'm going to read it. The quote is this, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that the National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes. And it is a privilege to be a part of it. There's all right. There's ways of saying things. And there's ways of doing things. And 
how do I how do I approach this? Let me first say I agree to a certain extent with Jim Irsay said. We talk about this a lot, man. The NFL is going to roll on. You see people get major injuries. I mean, I hope, you know, I wish for a speedy recovery, but Tim Patrick, Tim, the the wide receiver for the Broncos, uh, has torn ACL, out for the season. Very unfortunate for him. I wish for a speedy recovery. The league is going to go on. Naheem Hines had a boat accident, I believe, a speedboat accident out for the season. The league is going to go on. The bills are going to go on. It's just that's that's just how it is. So I agree with Jim Ursay in that sense as far as it doesn't really matter who's here. I mean, we saw that with the refs. They had replacement refs. A league that is worth billions of dollars had replacement refs, and the product was horrible. But it kept going. You see, uh, there's been seasons where, you know, Tom Brady's been out. He got suspended. Aaron, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has missed games. Like, it it doesn't. Uh, Joe Burrow missed half a season, half his rookie season. So, I do agree with Jim Ursay in saying that it doesn't really matter what one or two people do, or the league is always going to, the fans are going to come out. The fans want to see the product. It's just going to, it's going to keep going. But here's the issue that I have with Jim Irsay. And here's the issue that I have with what he said. Again, I agree what he said when he says it doesn't matter who comes and who goes. The league is going to go on. We know that. I, I agree with that. The, end, the National Football League rolls on. I agree with that. But here's the issue that I have. And here's the bigger issue in this Jim Ursay quote. This was the perfect time and the perfect situation for you to unify yourself with an or with with a with a with a cause. Right now the running back position is very fragile. Especially when we talk about the top athletes and the top running backs wanting to get paid. On top of that, if we just talk about the the Colts and Jim Ursay, you're one of your, if not your best player right now, is very vocal about how he feels and how other players feel. Now, don't get me wrong. I know this. I keep saying a running back thing. But this is a league thing. This is pl- this is multiple players, multiple positions. They feel that they are not they are not valued. It's, I understand it's it's being pictured as a running back thing, but this is a league wide thing outside of quarterbacks. Hell, Zach Martin is out. Zach Martin is holding out for the Cowboys. This is a league wide thing. Jim Irsay's best player, pretty much, is coming out and saying that, you know, his dis dis his dissatisfaction to how players are being treated. 
And instead of being one of the people that not only can change how players are being treated, but being one of the people that have a could be the voice that is needed. You make that comment. And I think what owners, I understand that you can't tell anybody how to spend their money. And especially billionaires, you cannot tell billionaires how to spend their money. I get it. But this shows you, I think they get, they, owners get something confused sometimes. And shouts out to Marcus Spears, shouts out to uh, Ryan Clark. They both said this. I think owners believe, some owners believe that they, people pay their hard-earned money. To come to the games to see them. To come to the games to see their team. And to a certain extent, yes, you do come to see your favorite team. But people are paying their hard-earned money, especially today. People are paying their hard-earned money to see the players. If you don't believe me, look at the attendance rate. Or look at the attendance of the Cincinnati Bengals. Look at the attendance of the Cincinnati Bengals. When Joe Burrow was out or playing to when he's out. Look at the attendance of the Kansas City Chiefs when Patrick Mahomes is playing and when he's not. Look at the attendance of the Buffalo Bills when Josh Allen's in the game or when he's not. What I'm saying is Owners, Jim Ursay has to understand. Yes, the NFL rolls on. But people don't come to see you. They come to see Jonathan Taylor. They come to see the Colts, not you. So the last thing you want to do is talk down. And make it seem like your best player doesn't matter. I understand he tried to do the whole, if I die tonight, and Jonathan Taylor's out the league, no one's going to miss us. That What? Of course no one's going to miss you, Jim Ursay, because no one sees you. But that's not true. If, if Jonathan Taylor, uh, people, again, Jonathan Taylor's one of the best players in the National Football League. There's such a disconnect with that statement. Again, I I do understand and I do agree with the one thing that he said. Lee goes on. We know that. That is true. But it goes on with the players. I understand this. The shield. The NFL is a shield. I get that. But. You're showing your va- you're showing how much or how little you value your players when you when when you make a comment like that in the manner of which he made it. And trust me, man, 
while Jim Ursay is his name is on this bullet, he's not the only owner that feels this way. You think that if the owner of the Giants really valued his players that there would be such a holdout or such a pay discrepancy between Saquon Barkley, his best player, and Daniel Jones? You think that if the owner of the Tennessee Titans loved Derrick Derek Henry that much and valued Derrick Henry that much, he would have made only $40 million his entire career? When you have other players making $40 million a year? I will say that this is the wrong time to make this statement and make this quote. I don't understand why. I do understand why you make this quote because you believe this quote. And while, yes, he put Jonathan Taylor's name in it because him and Jonathan Taylor had a conversation before. It's not just a Jonathan Taylor thing. This is what Jim Irsay, but he doesn't he doesn't value his players, the ones that put their lives on the line for a product. And he's not the only and and, and when you hear quotes like that, as small as that quote is, it speaks volumes. And that's why you look up today and outside the quarterback position, pretty much every other position is fighting for equal value. So, yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about some baseball. Right. We are this is the MLB trade deadline and when we when we look at sports and and, and when we look at a, a team, right? Let's look at basketball for a second. What is the 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 reason for the trade deadline? Teams look at their team, you know, owners and, and GMs look at their teams and they look at how competitive their team is, right? And they look at not only how competitive their team is, but how competitive their team should be. And are they meeting up to that standard? Some teams are obviously going to be more competitive than the others. Some teams should be more competitive than the than others. They're just not. When we talk about baseball, first of all, shouts out to the Baltimore Orioles being one of the best teams in baseball. Uh, I think the second best team in the actually, I'm sorry, the best team. Or, yeah, the best team in the AL. 65 and 41. Who would have thought that? Remember, there was a time when the Baltimore Orioles were losing 100 plus games a year. And now they are top of the. 
Tampa Bay is pretty good too. But you look at you look at teams like the Baltimore Orioles, and they look at this trade deadline, and they are ecstatic. They are they are way higher than they projected. The, the the trade deadline out and also All Star Weekend, but mostly the trade deadline is for you to to really evaluate your team and and understand what do we need to get do we need to get better what do we need to get to do to get better or are, are we okay with where we are? I would say that the Orioles are okay with where they are. The Tampa Bay Rays are okay with where they are. The 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 Rangers are okay with it, even though they did just get uh, Matt Scherzer. It's also for teams that look at themselves and look at their records and think, "Yo, we should be better than who we than what we are." Like the like the Yankees, the Yankees are fifty five and fifty one right now. With the, how much their roster cost and having Aaron Judge, even though he was injured most of the year. Um, having a Giancarlo stand, even though he was injured most of the year, you would expect the Yankees to be higher. Um, same as let's say the Los Angeles uh, Angels. You have Shohei Otani or Shohei Otani. I'm sorry. You also have Mike Trout. Even though Mike Trout's been injured as well, but you're 56 and 51. You look at the, some teams are going to look at themselves. The Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians, fifth one game under five hundred. The Detroit, the Detroit Tigers are twelve games under five hundred. The White Sox are twenty one games under five hundred. So you know teams look at their status and think we should be better. And it's not just for the AL; it's the NL as well. The Braves, obviously, the best team in baseball right now. But you look, you would ex- even though the Phillies are eight games above 500, you would expect them to be a little better. The most expensive team in baseball right now is the New York Mets, and they are five games below 500. You know, um, the Padres, another very expensive team. You have uh, Fernando Tatis. You have. Manny Machado, you have uh, Juan Soto, you're three games below 500. So for teams like that, the trade deadline is very important because you're trying to hit that hit that reset in the middle of the season and not reset as far as like complete blow up, but you need to see how do we get clo- as close to expectations as possible. A lot of people, when you get Matt Scherzer and when you get Justin Verlander and you have Pete Alonzo, they expect the Mets to be contending for a World Series. They're not, they may not even make the playoffs. When you have, like I said, Fernando Tatis, uh, Juan Soto, when you have Mena Machado, you expect the the Padres to be competing for a champion or a World Series. They may not even make the playoffs. It's uh, and let's focus a little bit on the Mets. The Mets just tra- the Mets are uh, is one of those teams that. 
looks to be very active for the trade deadline because, like I said, they are not meeting their expectation. Again, like I said, they just traded uh, Matt Scherzer to the Rangers, I believe. I talked about this last year uh, or last season when they ultimately lost. Uh, they had, like, the best record in baseball and lost in, like, the first round. Or the wild card, I think. And I said that that's probably one of the worst losses in, or one of the most epic failures in baseball history to have the record that they have. And I don't even think they made out the wild card. This is a new day and age in baseball. The, the saying in baseball has always been that you can buy a championship. I mean, when you look, that's one of the biggest reasons why the Yankees were so successful because they were just buying the best players. I mean, they had a whole, the Yes Network was made for the Yankees. And they were just buying players, buying the best players. I mean, you saw, even now, you saw what they gave Giancarlo Stanton. They had Derek Jeter. They had uh, Alex Rodriguez. They had some of the best players. CC Sabathia. Like, they were able to by the best players. That was, that's always been the saying. The team that had one of the highest payrolls more than likely will have something to say about who wins the World Series. That's how that's what it's always been. But as we're seeing some of the most expensive rosters, the San Diego Padres, the New York New York Mets, the New York Yankees, some of the most expensive um, rosters aren't don't even aren't even close to competing for a World Series. And even if they make the playoffs, like the Yankees probably will make the playoffs, maybe the wild card. No one thinks that the Yankees are going to win. But then you look at some of the smaller market teams: the 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 Tampa Bay Rays, the Baltimore Orioles. The the Texas Rangers, the Atlanta Braves, the Cincinnati Reds. Those now, yes, of course, the Dodgers is also a big market and they are the Dodgers. But what I'm just saying is this is a new this is a new day. This is a new age in baseball. It doesn't matter how much you pay at this point. And if you don't believe me, look at the Mets. The highest payroll in, 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 in baseball. I think maybe in baseball history. I could be wrong about that. But I know for sure in baseball. And I think the, I think the Astro, I think they just traded Justin Verlander to the Astros. It's, yeah, as we speak, because I'm, I'm recording this on a Friday, or on a tu- what's it, Tuesday, the Astros just acquired Justin Verlander. Means that their two biggest pitching acquisitions the last two years, Matt Scherzer, 
Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander just got traded. And the team, like I said, is 50 and 55 right now. Again, the saying used to always be, if you pay the most money, you're going to win a World Series. I think probably because the talent level is and the talent gap is not that far anymore, that that's just not the case. Because if that was the case, a team like the Astros or a team like the Mets would be way better than they are. A team like the Padres would be way better than they are. So, and there you have it, man. That's been today's episode. Actually, no. I forgot. I forgot. Let's talk about Team USA for a second. And how Team USA soccer has just got people in a in a in a in a bind. <laughs> I will say this, man. Team USA usually dominates in three four sports in the when we talk about FIBA, when we talk about the Olympics. They usually dominate in four sports. Basketball, swimming, gymnastics, and soccer. Women's soccer or soccer. Men's soccer, for sure, no. But when we talk about World Cup, when we talk about FIBA, women's soccer has, you know, USA women's soccer usually dominates. This is the first time where you look and while yes, Team USA did advance out the out the round, but this is the first time I think they were second in their in their uh in their round in their group. They were second. I think this is also the first time they failed to score in 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 their uh in the last game to get out the group. And when you look, people like people are people are scared, man. <laughs> Again, USA d- dominates in th- four areas, and one of them is soccer, women's soccer. And yes, y- Maga Rapino doesn't look as great. I don't even think she played one of those games. Doesn't look as great. Alex Morgan hasn't looked all that great. I know it's a very young team, but. This Team USA is having people in a pickle, man. Like, they are nervous. And I think they're also nervous because you look, and it's very easy to see that Team USA does not look like the best team. There's a look thing. I understand that you advanced out of your group. But Team USA usually looks like, all right, they as Team USA, they're the best team. Team USA looks absolutely nothing like the best team. At this point, I wouldn't be shocked if they won because it's Team USA, and I know the history that they have, and they're going for a three-peat. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they lost because they don't look like they don't look like the Team USA that we know. You know, uh, was it Carly Lloyd? was was kind of heated because they were they were celebrating advancing she was just like i mean y'all advanced but couldn't score 
And if it wasn't for Portugal, it wasn't for a Portugal uh, player hitting the freaking crossbar or hitting the, the bar, they would have lost. I get a win is a win. I know, hey, a win is a win. I get that. But Team USA, at least the women's, has looked absolutely nothing like not only what we remember them to look like, but what we hoped they look like, especially when they're trying to win, what, three street. They look bad, bro. <laughs> I keep it a being with you. They don't look good. They just look average. Now, it also does suck that their games are like three o'clock in the morning. Like, what are we doing? I get the whole time zone thing, so I'm not going to be that person. But it's it's just like people people are upset of how they looked. And I get it. I get it, you know. And you've been dominating for something for so long, and now you look pedestrian at best. It's just like. Uh... Again, I wouldn't be shocked. And this is where I'll end it. I wouldn't be shocked if Team USA wins because it's Team USA, and I know the history that Team USA women's soccer holds. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they lost because as we see here today, they for sure don't look like the best team. They could turn it on. It could be one of those flip-the-switch things, but with how young that this team is and and how experienced the other teams are, I don't think I don't think this is one of those flip the switch moments, especially because if you were going to flip the switch, you would have done that against Portugal, who you historically are very much better than. And you couldn't you win technically in a draw. So we'll see. But there you have it. That now has been this episode, today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. At multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers, so... Any, anything would help please subscribe also subscribe to the socials subscribe to instagram subscribe to uh or follow the instagram follow the twitter or not twitter tiktok what do i keep saying twitter it's not even twitter anymore <laughs> um the tiktok i i post things pretty much daily uh so you'll get constant con uh constant content and if you comment and you see that the unpopular podcast responds whether that's instagram tiktok uh youtube that's me i'm com i'm responding please be respectful and we'll have a conversation i under uh, my i understand that none of all of my uh viewpoints aren't aren't widely viewed the same so yeah leave leave how you feel we'll talk about it you know i have no i have no problem having a conversation just be respectful man um but yeah i do definitely appreciate you guys and until next time much love